because he is one of the first ones in our Bible to believe God on the level of the New Testament. He in the Old Testament, but believe God, got faith like, like he was in the new, like he was in the church, like he was in the new covenant. I'm going so deep. I'm just, ooh. Isn't it ironic that they can call the new covenant new, but it's actually older than the old? All right. Now listen, we're going to go deep in here this morning. All right. And for our new believers, try your best to swim. All right. But just understand, it will be deep. Um, but um, every word that you receive, amen, I try my best to cut it in a way where children can understand it, but also pastors and, and leaders and future pastors can understand it as well. I'm going to do my best with this. But, but if you can't swim all the way in every part, amen, just act like you're swimming, amen. I'm joking, I'm joking. Act like you're swimming. But, but store this in a file cabinet. Because later on in your walk, you'll see how, how deep this thing is. Amen. Uh, and so we'll be talking about uh, the next example of how the tithe predates the law. We're going to be talking about Abraham and a mysterious figure in our Bible called Melchizedek. Come on, give y'all some praise up in this house. Hallelujah. First lady, I'm forgetting something. I'm good to go. You did say his name, but I hope everybody didn't hear it. Amen. But, but, the, but the, the gentleman that, that wound up tithing like that, uh, uh, he wound up buying him a house out of the deal. Come on, give y'all some praise. Hallelujah. I see it now. Hallelujah. Glory to the Most High God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so let me set my timer so I could be real with y'all and y'all could be real with me. Hallelujah. We're going to do that like that. Like this, like that, like this. All right, here we go, here we go. Abraham and Melchizedek. Now, let's go to Genesis 14. And uh, in Genesis 14, we find that uh, Abram and Lot, they split up. Amen. they both lovers of God, but sometimes even the people of God can't get along and they got to split up. I think it was because of Abram's wife, amen. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, Lot's wife, Amen. That's just my personal take on it. But she get hers before it's all over. Don't worry about that. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, so Abram and Lot split up. And when I'm talking about Abram, I'm talking about Abraham. Abraham and Lot split up. Amen. Uh, and Lot chooses the lush Jordan Valley uh, to be his home. The problem with that is that is Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. Uh, he goes and he lives in that area of Sodom and Gomorrah. And while he's there, a war breaks out. Uh, a group of kings uh, invade that river valley, and they take Sodom and Gomorrah and a bunch of other cities, and they also take Lot with them, all right? Uh, just because Abraham fell out with Lot don't mean that he didn't still love Lot. And the Bible says that Abraham, the Hebrew, heard that Lot was taken with the kings. And Abraham rallied up his boys, amen, got everybody bucked, amen, let's go, let's go, let's go. He got his crew together, and they went back to get uh, Lot, his nephew. And uh, if God be for you, what? Who can be against you? And Abraham went out there. He took care of his business, handled up on some things, huh? And he got Lot back. He recovered not only Lot, 
but all the goods and the spoils of all the cities that these kings, amen, had, had, had stolen. And so uh, Abraham just wins the battle. And after he wins the battle, a mysterious figure pops out of nowhere and visits Abraham, a figure that we call Melchizedek. And if we go to Genesis 14 and 18, hallelujah, you'll see it there. The Bible says, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Now, this is interesting because this Melchizedek is both a king and a priest. Keep that in mind. He's a king, but also a priest, right? And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, or Abram, of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, that's Abraham, and Abraham gave him, Melchizedek, tithes of all. All right? Before Moses, before the law, Abraham, just like Cain and Abel, huh? just like Abel, he gives tithes. All right? Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek, and he gave tithes of all. Now, this appearance of Melchizedek, we're going to teach y'all some vocabulary in here this morning. All right? We're going theological this morning. We might not run and shout unless you get a good revelation, then go ahead and run. All right? Go ahead and run. But we're going to be learning in here this morning, if that's all right with y'all. All right? We're going to be learning. Now, this Melchizedek, this appearance of Melchizedek is called a theophany, a theophany, all right? Say that with me, theophany, all right? And you can use that around work, amen, sound like you know what you're talking about. A theophany. Pastor, what's a theophany? A theophany is a manifestation of God in the tangible human form. It's when God appears, a theophany. And it's all over the Old Testament. God will just appear. And this is, this is not uh, the only theophany that Abraham is going to experience. He's going to experience a, a manifestation of God when the three visitors come. Amen? Uh, uh, when, when, when God tells Abraham he's going to have a son and Sarah laughed, and God said, why is Sarah laughing? Amen? That was a theophany. All right? When Abraham is negotiating with God for the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. God, if they be 10 right, if they be 20 right, if they be 30, that was a theophany. Anytime God shows up and invades our, our territory, amen, the physical plane, that is called a theophany. Say that with me, theophany. Now, there's a certain kind of theophany I want to discuss, amen. Uh, 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 it breaks off of the theophany, and we call it a Christophany, all right? Pastor, you're making up these words. No, this is real. <laughs> Say it with me, Christophany, all right? This is an appearance of Christ. It's when Christ appears. You have to know that Christ was alive before he was born. <laughs> when he was born in that manger, he had already existed. All right? All right? He came from heaven to earth. Amen? He took off his royal garments, hallelujah, and wrapped himself in what? In human form. Amen, the human flesh. And so, hallelujah, Christ existed before his birth, all right? And so, hallelujah, in our Old Testament, every now and then, you'll get what's called a Christophany. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And one of the first ones we can talk about, hallelujah, is when Joshua is about to invade Jericho, and this man appears to Joshua. 
in military regalia. And Joshua said, you for us or you for our enemy? In Christ, in, the, in Christophany form, say, I'm not, I'm not for none of y'all, but I'm for the most high God. Anybody hear me up in here? And he told Joshua, take off your shoes, homeboy, because the place you stand is what? It's holy ground. That was a Christophany. Another Christophany is when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was in the fiery furnace. And after Nebi threw him in there, Nebi said, I threw three in there, but I see a fourth man in the fire. <laughs> and the fourth man I see looks like the son of the almighty God. Anybody hear me up in here? Woo! Christ appearing before his birth. And that's what we call a Christophany. All right? What we have here in our text is a theophany, the appearance of God. But more specifically, a Christophany, the appearance of God, appearance of Christ before, amen, his physical birth. Amen. What are you saying? Melchizedek is Jesus. Melchizedek is Yahshua. Come on, give y'all some praise up in this house. And there's some that fight that and want to pull straws and split hairs. He's not Christ. He's a type of Christ. Your pastor believes that this is Christ. All right? All right? This is Christ. Now, we ain't got to fall out about it. Amen? You could say he is a type of Christ. That's cool. But this is Christ, hallelujah, in your pastor's mind. You say, why is this Christ? And me and Joseph Gray was talking about this last week, uh, uh, ironically. But when we think about Melchizedek, he's given titles that only belong to Christ. It's the words that we say about him. His name, Melchizedek, in the, in the Hebrew, it means king of righteousness. King of righteousness. Who is the king of righteousness except Jesus? Woo! He's the righteous branch from the tribe of, of Judah. Anybody hear me up in him? Not only that, verse 18 calls him the king of Salem or, or Salaam. All right? That translates into king of peace. Who is the king or the prince of peace besides Yahshua HaMashiach? Anybody hear me up in here? The verse also says that this Melchizedek was the priest of the most high God. What is a priest? A priest is someone who goes to God the Father on behalf of people. Well, who is a priest like Jesus? Who is the intercessor like Yahshua? Who is the mediator between God and man? Amen. In fact, no man gets to the Father but by Yahshua, Hamashiach, Jesus, the Christ. So all of these expressions and titles, all of these phrases that fit Melchizedek also fit our Savior, Yahshua, Hamashiach. And it's not only me that thinks of that parsing up Genesis in the Old Testament, but as we look at the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews exclaims as well. Hebrews 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Verse 2. To whom also Abraham gave what? A tenth part of all. And we're going to get to that, but let's just handle our housekeeping stuff first. All right? He gave a tenth of all. First being by interpretation, his name means king of righteousness. 
And after that also, king of Salem, which is, is by interpretation means king of peace. The next verse says about Melchizedek that when you search him out, you will find that he is without earthly father and without earthly mother and without descent, neither having beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto who? The son of God. He abided a priest. How long? Continually. How? I'm getting excited up in here. The author of Hebrews says, when you look at him closely, this homeboy that just pops up on the scene, huh? This, this dude who got no mama and no daddy, no beginning and no end. The author of Hebrews said, the only one that I could compare him to, I done searched all over, but the only person that I could put side by side with this priestly king of righteousness and peace, the only one that I could logically compare him to is the son of God, Yahshua Jesus himself. Somebody got to shout unto God. Melchizedek, a Christophany, an appearance of Christ before, way before, thousands of years before he would ever be born in that manger of Bethlehem. And there is no priest we will find that is priest forever except Yahshua. And the scriptures say he abided a, a priest forever. This Melchizedek is definitely Jesus. Well, what can we learn from this, this story of tithing before the law? I'm telling you, we can learn so much about it, all right? We can learn so much about it. We learn, number one, breaking it down, Abraham tithes to Melchizedek. Abraham tithes to Melchizedek. And this is all going to prove that tithing still is in effect in the New Testament. All right? All right? But let's break it down slow, focusing on Abraham. Abraham tithes to Melchizedek. And we're pulling it from Hebrews 7, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. We're pulling it from Genesis 14, 20. And blessed be the most high God, which had delivered thine enemies into thy hands, and Abraham gave him tithes of all. Why is this important? As we focus in on Abraham in this relationship right here. This is important because Abraham is a special character in our Bible. And he has a special relationship to every believer. He has a special relationship to the church. He has a special relationship with everyone that's a part of the new covenant. Pastor, what you talking about? Abraham in our Bible is considered, he's called, he's called, he's entitled the father of the faith. All right? That's Abraham's title. That's what the Bible calls him. What this means is that he is the spiritual father of every believer. All right? All right? Us, we call him Father Abraham by blood. We cut our blood and we related to him as Hebrews. But he is not only the father of the Hebrews. He is the father of all those who put their faith in God and their faith in Yahshua HaMashiach. All right? And that's part of the reason why God in the very beginning told Abraham that you shall be a father of what? Of many nations. Not only biologically, but spiritually. Because you are the father of all those that believe in the most high God. Woo! 
We're going deep, Joseph. I'm telling you here. He is the father of faith. And, and, and the Bible describes that. And the reason he's the father of faith is, watch this, because he is one of the first ones in our Bible to believe God on the level of the New Testament. He in the Old Testament, but believe God, got faith like, like he was in the new, like he was in the church, like he was in the new covenant. I'm going so deep. I'm just, ooh. Isn't it ironic that they can call the new covenant new, but it's actually older than the old? The new covenant was there before the law. Don't you think that God is, is inventing stuff to help us? He already know where he want to end things up. God don't operate in crisis management. No, he always wanted us to be in faith. He had to give us a law to let us know that we needed faith. He always was going, oh, y'all. They just call it the new, but it been there. This covenant of faith, this belief was there with Abraham. Look at Romans 4 in the NLT. We're going to break it down in NLT to make it simple. All right? Abraham, why is he called a father of faith? Never wavered. And believe in God's promises. Whether God say, get up, leave your family. Leave your land. Leave everything you know, you're going to go to a strange land. Abraham never wavered. He got his stuff and he bounced. Whether God say, Abraham, look, look, he pushing 90 years old. God tell him, you're going to have a son. Huh? Whether God say, Abraham, bring your only son, bring him up to Mount Moriah, and I'm going to sacrifice him. Abraham say, pack a lunch, Isaac. We got to go. <laughs> he never wavered at the promise of God. In fact, through it all, watch this, his faith grew stronger. Woo! His faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. What about Abraham's faith? He was in 21 fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promised. Anybody fully convinced in this place? We talk about the faith of Abraham. And when you go to Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, that faith chapter, Abraham has got one of the largest parts of that. All right? He is the father of faith. Look at, look at verse 22. And because of Abraham's faith, his faith was so strong God counted him as righteous. Now, now, woo, woo, God. His faith was so strong. His trust in God, his belief in God was so strong that like the King James says, it was imputed to him as righteousness. God said, because you believe me so much, I'm going to forgive all your sins. I'm going to cover all your mistakes. I'm, I'm going to overlook all your lies. I'm going to overlook all your mishaps and all your iniquities. Your faith in me is so strong, Abraham. I'm going to save you, forgive you, and put righteousness on you just because you believe me that much. Anybody hearing me up in here? You see, 22, look at it. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as 
righteous. Does that sound familiar to you? Way back in Genesis, God is saving people by faith. That's why Abraham is called the father of faith. Look at verse 23. And when God counted him, Abraham's benefit. God never does anything arbitrary. He always has a reason behind why he operated. When he counted Abraham righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham. God was actually showing something that he was going to do for a whole bunch of other people. Abraham was just one of the first ones, the, the father of faith. Listen, 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 break it down. Hallelujah. It was recorded, hallelujah, go to 24, for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. Somebody got to shout unto God. Preaching the gospel in Genesis, telling you that you could have a faith so strong in God, a trust so strong in God, that though your sins be red as scarlet, God will wash them as white as snow. Anybody want that kind of faith? Where it's not necessarily about what you've done, but what he did and how you trust him and what he's doing. This is the gospel right here. This is why Abraham is called the father of faith, because he believed God in a New Testament saving kind of way, a faith that made him righteous in the sight of God. That is our faith this morning. That is, that is the new covenant this morning. Isn't it funny that the new covenant A man should boast. Now you become numb to that because we've quoted that since you were children. Some of y'all can quote that in your sleep. They told me one time I went to the dentist, I was put under. I was quoting scriptures while I was under. When the dentist woke me up, that's what he told me. He said, you know you was quoting scripture the whole time? Woo, somebody said his word is shut up in me. Like fire in my bones. <laughs> Woo! My God, my God, my God. So since we're familiar with it, let me read it to you in the NLT. Ephesians 2.8, the same scripture, but with modern words. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. You ain't done nothing for it. You ain't done nothing for it. He looked at your belief like Abraham and he imputed. He gave you, he credited you righteousness. The NLT says, listen, don't get, don't get, don't get cocky. It is a gift from God. 
Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done because we haven't all done good things. <laughs> and some of us still ratchet. <laughs> but one thing they can't take from us is our faith. We believe him. We know he died. We know he was buried. And we know for sure that he rose on the third day. And God says that's all you need. The faith imputed for Roger. No, you don't get it right all the time. No, you don't say all the right things. Yeah, you still got a little wiggle room in you sometimes. But one thing the devil can't take from you, you got the faith of Abraham. You say, God, I trust you. And that's the most important thing. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this as a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. When we look at Abraham's life, Abraham wasn't perfect. We see instances of Abraham lying. We see some, 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 ooh, I can't even talk about it all. And the Bible says it was credit to him for righteousness because how strong he believed in the most high God. Romans 4, 16, making a correlation between our faith and Abraham's faith, says this in the NLT. So the promise of salvation is received by faith. Listen, if I had to ask you how will you get to heaven, don't start telling me about the good you do. You need to start on how much you believe. Don't start, don't start there. The moment you start, I give and I, I do this and I do that. Don't do that because you're trying to earn it. It can't be earned. It's a gift. And it's only given to those who believe. Listen, so the promise of salvation is received by faith. This blew me away when I first got saved. I had been trying so hard to prove myself to God. Trying so hard to earn love. Anybody been in a situation when you've been trying hard to win somebody's love? You can do that in a parental child relationship. And you can very well bring that into your relationship with God. The good news is you ain't got to try to get God to love you. I don't want your trying. He wants your trusting. He wants your believing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The promise of salvation has always been by faith. What do I believe? Believe that you're a sinner. Believe that he died for your sins. Believe that he was buried in that grave and believe he rose on the third day. If you believe that, God will save you this very moment. This very moment, this very moment, he'll save you based upon your faith. So the promise of salvation is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. You ain't, that ain't, that's not a requisite for salvation. 
What's the requisite? If we have faith, like who? Like Abraham. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Come on, give y'all some praise. Come on, give y'all some praise. That's why he's called Father Abraham. That's why he's the father of all who would believe. Because he believed God like it's required of us to believe in the New Testament. Well, Pastor, that's a beautiful presentation of the gospel. But what does that have to do with tithing? It has everything to do with tithing. You see, if Abraham was the father of the faith, the way we're supposed to believe God in the New Testament, if he was our example of how to believe God, how to trust God, we are to do the good things that Abraham did. And Abraham, as one of the first to be saved by faith, what does Abraham do? Abraham ties to Melchizedek. And so should you. Come on, give y'all some praise. Did anybody catch that? Is that too deep for you? All right, if Abraham tithes, so should we. He's the first example of new covenant believing. Secondly, Abraham tithes to Melchizedek. We're going to focus on Melchizedek right now. Melchizedek, watch this, he receives the tithe. Ooh, that's deep, yeah. Not only did Abraham tithe, but Melchizedek did what? He took it. He said, Give me that. Yeah. Because if the tithe didn't apply to the new covenant and those of faith, Abraham wouldn't have gave it. And if it didn't apply to the new covenant and those of faith, Melchizedek wouldn't have what? Receive it. Melchizedek looked at it and said, boy, that's the Old Testament. I ain't taking that. But Melchizedek didn't do that. Oh, no, as quick as Abraham gave it, Melchizedek received it. Come on, give y'all some praise. Let's go deeper. Follow me now. Those that's in here as new believers, I'm proud of you. I'm proud because I feel your understanding. I feel it. I'm proud of you. You see, this is, this is, this is deep stuff we talk. This is seminary stuff we're talking about. All right? Let's focus on Melchizedek receiving those ties. We already see that Melchizedek is Christ. This is a Christophany. He is Jesus. And if you can't swallow that, you've got to see he's a type of Christ. All right? And in this situation, not only does Abraham give tithes to Christ, but Christ receives them. And we're not supposed to be tithing in a new covenant. Christ takes those ties. He accepts them. All right? Let me go deeper right here. There's only two priesthoods in the Bible. Two of them. Two of them. There's many false priests. There's many false prophets. But there's only two priesthoods for the most high God in the Bible. There is one, the Levitical priesthood. It's a big word, but the root of it is Levi, because the tribe of Levi was the tribe of priests. And they just put that uh, vitical on the end just to confuse black people. 
But, <laughs> but it's Levi's priesthood, the tribe of Levi's priesthood. So say Levitical with me. Say it slow. Levitical. Don't you say nothing bad. Got <laughs> white black people. Levitical priesthood. That's all it is. To be a part of the Levitical priesthood, you had to be born from that tribe. It was the only way. If you was born in another tribe, you couldn't be a priest. That's what it is. It's by birth. And so it ain't like in America, democracy, you could be whatever you want to be. In the Old Testament, baby, if you're from one of the tri other tribes, here's a car or <laughs> Reuben or Reubenite, you can wake up, Mama, I want to be a priest. No, baby, you ain't being no priest. <laughs> this ain't America. <laughs> Because you had to be born in the tribe of Levi to be a Levitical priest. But guess what? If you're born in Levi, you couldn't be nothing but a priest. You were locked in. All right? Now, this Levitical priesthood, amen, is the Old Testament. It's the Old Covenant. Every covenant needs a priesthood. Mm. Since every covenant has to have a sacrifice, Every covenant got to have blood. Every covenant got to have priests. The covenant of the Old Testament is the Levitical priesthood. It started with Moses, Aaron, and all of Aaron's sons, which they from the tribe of Levi. But I want to tell you that that priesthood no longer exists. It don't exist no more. You got to follow me close. While God wanted us to be in the Old Testament, he kept the tribe of Levi pure. And before they could do any work in the temple, they had to show their genealogy to show that their bloodline was not polluted with Gentile or any of the other tribes. The Levi bloodline had to be pure in order to be a Levitical priest. And so up until the Roman days, that record was always kept. After Christ was crucified, after Rome destroyed Jerusalem, our home, the temple, those records were gone. Nobody could prove that they 100% pure Levitical priesthood bloodline. And if you can't, then you can't be a Levitical priest. The Levitical priesthood, Old Testament, real priesthood, but it is expired. It is gone. No matter what they say in Israel now, you can't prove that. No matter what our brothers and under the law, oh yeah, Haiti, all that, you can't prove pure Levitical bloodline. It's over. There's no Levitical priesthood. But thank God that God had another priesthood. <laughs> Standing in the gap and waiting. The second priesthood in our Bible is the Melchizedek priesthood. Melchizedek priesthood. To be a priest, you got to be part of one or the other. The Melchizedek priesthood is the priesthood of the new covenant. The priesthood of grace. The priesthood of of faith, all right? And it is the priesthood that Christ represents 
as the high priest of this priesthood. All right? All right? It's so good, Joe. It's so good. I get excited. I got so many things I want to say. And remember, it's both priest and king. Anybody know that you are a chosen generation? A royal priesthood? Woo! My God, my God, my God. That's the priesthood of Christ. Because he's not only priest, but he's also king. Fulfilling wholly the call of Messiah. That would be the prophet, priest, and king. Ultimate prophet, priest, and king in the world of men. No higher priest, no higher prophet, and no higher king. The order of Melchizedek. Pastor, you making this up? Nuh-uh. Hebrews 5.5, 5. so also Christ. No, no, five. go to 5.9, go to 5.9, go to 5.9. We got to take our time. We got to slow cook these beans. Right. Hallelujah. And being made perfect, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And the obedience of Christ is believing. You obey the gospel, all right? Verse 10. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Verse 10, Jesus called of God a what? A high priest. After what order? After the order of Levi? No, after the order of Melchizedek. Now let's go deep. Why couldn't Jesus be a priest after the order of Levi? Anybody know? Because Jesus is not from the tribe of Levi. So how could Messiah, and they, the Old Testament was confused. How could he be prophet, priest, and king? He can't be a priest if he's not from Levi. Everybody know from Judah the Messiah would come. For the scepter shall not depart from Judah. He would raise up a righteous branch in Jesse. For the lion of the tribe of Judah would be coming soon. How could you get a priest from the tribe of Judah, he would be from a different order. Not from the order of Levi, but after the order of Melchizedek. Hey, my God. Woo, woo, woo. Listen. My God. I'm trying. Watch out now, baby. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, man, he hitting us with some stuff. In Hebrews 5, 5, so Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Verse 6, as he said in another place, by Jesus, Thou art a priest, how long? Forever, after the order of who? Melchizedek. This is being taken from Psalms 110. Psalm 110 is a messianic psalm. It's all about the Christ, the anointed one. It's a psalm of David. And David is in the prophetic. And David says in 1.10.1, he says, The Lord, Yahweh, said unto my Lord. If people know their Bible, this is the verse that Jesus quotes to confuse the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the scribes, the doctors, and the lawyers. They say, he said, you've been asking me a bunch of questions. Let me ask you all a question. 
if Messiah is the son of David, then why does David call him Lord? They couldn't answer it. Well, the answer to that question is simple. The Messiah is the son of David by blood, huh? but he's not just the son of David. He is the son of almighty God. Woo! That's why David calls the Messiah Lord. He says, the Lord, Yahweh, said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand. Where is Jesus at, y'all? At the right hand of glory. All right? At the right hand of glory. And that's what he told the Pharisees in Luke 22, right before they was going to kill him. They say, tell us if thou be the Messiah. He answered them. He quoted Psalm 110, which a lot of people don't know. He said, from henceforth, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power. What he was quoting was, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus was telling the Pharisees, I am the Messiah, and you ain't going to know until I put my foot on your neck because you're going to be my foot. Stay, I'm getting excited up in here. Kip, I'm about to run up in here, Kip. Anybody feel me up in here? It's a messianic song. And in that messianic psalm, in verse 2, the Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Verse 3, thy people, and this is one of my favorite scriptures. I posted it, hallelujah, had, had our people post it on Facebook one time. Thou people shall be willing in the day of thy power. See, because we wasn't willing the first time he came. We sold him out the first time he came. But when he come back, in his power, <laughs> my job and a few other people's job in here is to get the people ready with a John the Baptist type anointing. And listen, when he come back the second time, the Bible says, thy people, Most High, thy people, Yahshua, thy people, Jesus, though we miss you the first time, we will be willing the next time in the day of your power. How many people know we're not going to make the same mistake twice? Fool me once, shame on me. You understand what I'm saying? Listen now. The people shall be ready in the day of our power. Verse 4, the Lord had sworn. We, now we see this is about the Messiah. The Lord had sworn and will not repent. Jesus, Messiah, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You say, Pastor, this is good. I'm excited. But what does this have to do with tithing? <laughs> Everything. Everything. Listen, you say you're not supposed to tithe because it's Old Testament. But I'm telling you that the tithe predates the law. And if you want to go deep, the New Testament itself the new covenant itself predate the law, all right? And we just saw Abraham as an example of the new covenant, the man of faith, the father of faith. He gave tithes, but this Melchizedek, who is Jesus, who is not only Jesus, but started an order, a priesthood, that all of his leaders under him would be priests after the same order. Well, if the order of Melchizedek accepted tithes from Abraham, then the order of the new covenant in the church, 
that same order that we are part of are supposed to accept tithes of the people of God too. Come on, give y'all some praise. Woo! 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 Can you swim with me this morning? Don't you dare say that tithing is not part of the church. Look at the priesthoods. The priesthood's going to show you. The Melchizedek priesthood that we are part of, the new covenant priesthood, accepts tithes on behalf of the Most High God. Third point of the morning. Let's talk about the fact that our priesthood is a greater priesthood. It's a greater priesthood. Pastor, what you're saying, well, if you was willing to tithe for the Old Testament to Levi, to Aaron's sons, how dare you not be willing to tithe to Christ? The Messiah. You think Levi did anything like Christ for us? By mere token of what the two priesthoods offer, you should be ready to give. What? The tithe at the least. Really, he deserves it all. Amen. He deserves it all. Anybody hear me up in here? Where would you be without Jesus? Would you have what you have without him? Some of y'all wouldn't be alive today without him. You should have been dead and gone. In that hospital, baby, they should have packed you in a box. You should be rotting in a jail cell right now for your past indiscretions. But like Abraham, he saw your faith. Save you, wash you, cleanse you. What the songwriter say? He said, I've been, I've been healed. I don't know the word. What else he said, minister? I've been freed. What else he said, minister? I've been what? Delivered. Woo! Come on. My past is what? Is what? And the songwriter said, listen, I can't go back. I won't go back to the way it used to be. I can't go back to this old covenant. I can't. I, listen, he done did too much for me in this new covenant. All right? I found, what did he say? What did he say, minister? I found, I found joy. Anybody done found joy? What else he say? Peace. Come on, come on, come on. What else he say? Grace. Anybody done found grace, favor? Huh? Huh? This is all the new covenant. This is all under the Melchizedek order. Why ever go back to Levi, which really don't exist no more? The old covenant cannot exist anymore. There's no priesthood for it. There's no priesthood for it. There's no temple for it. There's no sacrificial system for it. It was only temporary. And while it was supposed to be on the earth, God kept it there through many dangerous tolls and snares, bringing people like Ezra and Nehemiah back to build a wall, to build the temple. It was always there as long as God wanted it there. But when its use was done, when Christ died on Calvary's hill and he instituted a new blood covenant, 
the veil of the temple was torn in two. A few years later, the temple was gone. Jesus said there shall not be one stone laid upon another. The use was done with. For we know that the old was just a shadow of the things that was to come. But the body, the realness is in Christ Jesus, Yahshua HaMashiach, our Lord. Anybody hear me up in here? So when they try to bring you back, you sing it. Huh? I won't go back. In fact, because all this is really going, I, I can't go back to the way and what it used to be. Ha! Before your love, your grace, I don't know what he said, before your Before your presence came and saved me. Change, change me. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Can't go back. Can't go back. I won't go back. And we have the greater priesthood. Okay, first I'm going to try to explain it to you in a real spiritual way. Then I'm going to just put the chart on the board, okay? Let's try the hard stuff first. When we look at the scriptures, we see that Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. Abraham is greater than Levi, because Levi came from Abraham. The book of Hebrews actually say that Levi was in Abraham when Abraham tied to Melchizedek, which is an awesome thing, a revelation, just a revelation right quick. When you tithe today, it's not only you tithing. It's your children tithing, and your children's children tithing. Pastor, why I tithe? Because when I tithe, it's not only a blessing for me. You see, if you think the blessing just for you, then you don't understand God's blessings. See, because God will curse to the third and fourth generation. <laughs> but he blesses until the what? Thousand generations. So you just don't give for you. You give for your children. You give for your children's children. What you gave this morning wasn't just for you. It was for McKenzie, and it was for Madison, and then for the children that McKenzie going to have, and Madison going to have, and, and, and Davion going to have. You see, because the blessings are generational. Mm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Levi was in Abraham. Hebrews say, when Abraham tithed. So what we have is, is the tribe of Levi that accept tithes was actually tithing to a greater priesthood. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a greater priesthood. Now let me show my little chart since we got through that. All right? Here's my little chart. Here's my little chart. Can y'all pull up my little chart? Changes in the priesthood. The Levitical priesthood, imperfect priesthood. Because it was ran by men. Christ's priesthood, perfect. Levitical priesthood, temporary. Because men died. Melchizedek priesthood, guess what? Eternal. He abided a priest forever. Levitical priesthood is the old order. It's been done away with. The Melchizedek priesthood, the new order, even though it existed before the old. The Levitical, insufficient, because it didn't make people clean. It didn't save them. 
You kill all the animals, and guess what? You went home just as much as a sinner as you got there. But this, this new priesthood, it was a sufficient priesthood because when Christ died once on that cross, his blood washed us forever. This one was a deficient priesthood. Melchizedek priesthood, a model priesthood. This one was earthly. Melchizedek, it was royal, and it was heavenly. Huh? Imperfect mediator, a perfect mediator. This priest is a sinner on this side. This priest on our side is sinless. This priest himself is under the sentence of death. Melchizedek in Christ broke the power of sin and death. This priest, a descendant of Levi, the priestly tribe. This priest, the descendant of the tribe of Judah, your tribe, which is the kingly tribe. This priesthood cannot reconcile man to God. This priesthood on this side can reconcile man to God through the blood of Christ. This one can't represent God to man. This one can represent God to man because Jesus is the express image of God. We can see him clearly through Christ. It cannot remove the sin barrier. This one can remove the sin barrier. Cannot bring man to perfection. That's a typo. But this one can bring man to sinless perfection through the blood of Christ when we get to heaven and we are glorified. This one is under the condemnation of the law. This one fulfilled the requirements of the law. Come on, give y'all some praise. We have a, a greater priesthood. So why not tithe to the greater priesthood? And how could they say that God would require tithing to this, to this low priesthood, but not to tithe to this greater one? Come on, y'all. That don't make sense. It really doesn't, all right? Let me wrap up with two more quick points. Number four, the law can no longer accept the tithe. All those that's under the law, that's in the camps, they can't collect tithes for behalf of the kingdom of God. Why? Because only the Levites could collect tithes. That's right. When we look at Hebrews 7 and 5, it says, And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi who received the office of priesthood, have the commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. There is no tribe of Levi. You can't take tithes of the people. They can't even take it. They can't even take it. And the fifth and final point, amen, this morning is anybody under the old covenant should bring their tithes to us that's under the new covenant. Just bring it to the church. Just bring it to the church. And this includes all those that's in Israel right now. How America and the Christian church give it to them. They got it backwards. The old should tie to, hey! Pastor, where you get that from? Abraham, Levi was in Abraham, tied into the new covenant priest, Melchizedek. That's the proper way things should go. You see? The tribe of Levi was tied into Melchizedek through Abraham, you know? And so, y'all, this is a very deep, deep spiritual, spiritual, hallelujah, uh, 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 understanding of why the tithe is still instituted today. 
We went into musicians, y'all can come and, and help me out and save me. We went into, amen, hallelujah, uh, Abraham, that's the father of the faith, a picture of us. We went into Melchizedek, the, a picture of the priesthood that would follow the church, all the pastors, the ministers. We are all a part of that priesthood, even the people, a part of that priesthood. That not only Abraham tithed, but Melchizedek, he had accepted the tithe. We even show you that Levi, amen, is non-existent no more. Old covenant is gone. All right? All right? And we even had an opportunity in this whole sermon to talk about the gospel, to talk about how to be saved. Because there's some people here that came to church, and listen, you like, you had the very beginning. And here I am, I'm saying words that you never even saw before. Mel, Melchizedek, 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 and all this other stuff like that. But, but Pastor, I'm here, but, but how do I give my life to God? How do I get my sins forgiven? How do I get right? And if you were paying attention, it was hidden in the sermon. You don't get right by trying to do right. You don't get right by trying to prove that you're good enough for heaven. Because you'll never make it. The Bible says, hallelujah, our righteousness to God is like filthy rags. The best you could do, God look at that and say, you still got sin in that. you like a loaf of bread. It looked good, hallelujah, on some slices, but you got mold on that thing. You got mold on that thing. And when you find mold on that loaf of bread, don't you eat, pick bread out and eat that. You got to what? Throw the whole what? Throw the whole loaf away. That's sin in our lives. And that's sin. Hallelujah. Once sin is in there, a little leaven leavens the whole love. And that's why the Bible says that the wages of sin, not sins, sin, one sin is death. That's why none of us could be saved on our own. That's why none of us could make it to heaven on our own. There's leaven, there's mold in our loaf of bread. Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. And so what God did, he looked down, he said they're going to need some help. I'm going to send them a savior. I'm going to send them a savior. My high priest, a king of glory. I'm going to send him Melchizedek, king of Salem, the king of peace know why he's called the king of peace now because he made peace where peace could not be made by any other he took a sinful people and a holy God and he built a bridge pastor how did he build a bridge with two beams of wood and three nails with the cross and we, when we couldn't get to God that cross laid down Away. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. You can't save yourself. Mama can't save you. Daddy can't save you. Listen, hallelujah. I try my best, but I can't save you either. Salvation is only in Christ. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. How do we be saved, Pastor? 
I'm glad you asked. We come clean with God. And we admit that we sinners. We don't come in here with our Sunday best on acting like we've done no wrong. In the spirit, we all filthy dirty in the eyes of God. And we got to admit that. We got to come, we got to come correct. All right? Them children be posing, they put some IRL right after they pose. Anybody know what that means? In real life. In real life. That's what they be talking about. Because sometimes you can see things on that that's not real life, but them people say, no, this is real life. Well, I'm going to tell you, you a sinner in real life. <laughs> in real life. You look good here, but in real life, whoo, you say things, you do things. So we come clean. And then we believe. Remember, we talked about Abraham, how he believed God and it was accounted, credited, imputed for him for righteousness. You could believe so strong, God going to forget about what you've done. And just stamp righteous. Anybody want that in their life where you believe God so much that God just say, I don't care what you did. <laughs> I don't care what you done. That's called faith. And that's how we say, Pastor, what do I believe? I'm glad you asked. Believe he died on that cross for all your sins. He was your sacrifice, your substitute. And the only thing you will ever need to get to heaven, the only thing you will ever need, you believe that and you trust in it. If this world was the Titanic, Jesus is the only lifeboat. And they got other lifeboats on there, but they got holes in them. The other lifeboat of self, of religion, of this and that, and they got holes in them. You could jump in them if you want, but you're going to sink to the bottom just like the Titanic will. But there's one boat on this world of a ship that's going down. It's got a red cross on it, and that thing will get you where you're going. Anybody hear me up in here? And faith is when you forsake all the other boats and all the other ways. And you get in this one. And you put all your trust in it, all your weight in it. You try to get all your children, your family in it. We're going to die if we don't get in it, y'all. And you sit there and you put all your weight on it. That's the belief. That's the trust in Christ. And when somebody comes to you and asks you how you saved, you never bring up you. Baby, the first word out of your mouth should be Jesus. It should be, should be Yahshua. Yeah. They're going to come, KK, how do you know you're saved? Jesus paid it all. They're going to come, BJ, David, they're going to say, how do you know you're going to heaven? Because he died for all of my sins. You don't fix your mouth to say anything else. That's the belief that saves. And lastly, we open our mouth and confess. This is the easy part. This is why we have the altar call. Is why we pray together, because out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. You really don't believe something until you say it. So we bring you up here, and we help you say it. But it's not just good to say it in here. 
even when you leave this place, it's good to go say it to somebody else. It's good, Randy, to look at somebody and say, Jesus done saved me. He done paid for my sins. And God going to look down, oh, they really believe. Because the Bible says, I believe, therefore I have spoken. So don't just say it in here. Go out there and say, I'm forgiven because Jesus paid it all. That's the gospel, my friend. That's how you be saved. Come on, give y'all some praise up in this place. Hallelujah. Ushers, we're going to do two things. Open the gates, and we're going to bring the offering boxes first. Because we're going to give to a God who's been good to us. Then we're going to have an altar call, and we're going to talk to our God, amen, about salvation. Amen. Ah. Go ahead and bring the baskets. You see, uh, something is shifting in the spirit. I got to have the altar call first. So next Sunday, we're going to bring tithes back to where it's supposed to be. Something is shifting in the spirit. I'm, I'm being sensitive to the spirit. The atmosphere is too ripe for salvation for me to do offering right now. I feel that people are going to be converted at the altar right now. Then we're going to do tithes after that. If you want to be saved right now, which is most important, if you want to talk to God right now at this altar about something, you can come right now. Go ahead and come. You're going to feel the pull. God's going to want you up here. Just go ahead and come right now. Maybe you understand the gospel like you've under, never understood it before. Maybe you feel your heart burning right now like you've never felt it before. But something is going on in you, and you say, man, I come for a tithe and message and got all of that. Man, I'm on fire, man. I'm on fire, man. Man, I done heard some things explained, man. My heart is burning in me. I want to live for God. I want to I bless his holy name. I want to be under that blood. I want to be, hallelujah, accounted for righteousness, amen, just by believing. I want what that Bible said that Abraham had. That's what I want. If that's you, just come. If that's you, just come. You feel the presence of God. He's opened your mind and unlocked revelation. You go ahead on and come. You go ahead on and come. We're going to just do this for a second. Then during offering time, we're going to just add the singing to that song right there because that thing is powerful. Amen. But we got we to gotta handle the work of the church, the real work of the church. Amen. There's some souls that need to be saved. There's some souls that need to be saved. And they're going to be saved today. That's the most important thing. That's the most important thing. Most important thing. Hallelujah. How oh, Anybody else? Anybody else? Before we, we're about to pray. But the Spirit told me, wait just one second. There's somebody else that need to be up here. Go ahead and come. God done called you out. Go ahead and come. Go ahead and come. Income. There's somebody else. There's somebody else. A young person. Come on. You know you need to be up here. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. I see him coming. I see him coming. I see him coming. The Spirit of God. Look, that's my alarm. That's my alarm. Hallelujah. Your time is running. Is up. Is up. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We're going to pray. And this is the confession part. You're going to open your mouth and God going to honor your words right now. Say, thank you, Most High. 
for loving me, for keeping me. All the mistakes I've made, but you never let me go. I admit I've sinned like everybody else. But I believe you like Abraham. I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I believe you died for me. You were buried, and I believe with all my heart that you rose on the third day. Save me. Forgive me. Use me. Clean me up. Show me my purpose and help me to lead others to your cross, your lifeboat, the only way of escape from this wicked world. Use me, God, and make me a giver to your church, to your kingdom. So others can hear the message and be saved. Thank you, Most High. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give him glory. Come on, give him glory. Come on, give him glory. And listen, feel free to return to your seats. We're going to start the offering time, amen. Those that want to give, the baskets are up here. Worship team, help us tell the world. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you, brother. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Hundredfold. Hundredfold. Hundredfold blessing. Hundredfold blessing. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hundredfold blessing. For your grace, for your grace. Hallelujah. In favor. Favor. In favor. Thank you. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Thank you. Hundredfold. 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 Hundredfold blessing. Hundredfold. Hundredfold blessing. Thank you. Hundredfold. Hundredfold. Ooh, something unbroke. Something unbroke. Hundredfold blessing. Hundredfold blessing. Hundredfold blessing. Hundredfold. Right now. Right now. Hundredfold. Hundredfold. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Hundredfold blessing. I've been changed. I've been changed. Hallelujah. Hundredfold blessing.
everybody. No, no. Shout of praise in this place. Bless you. Bless you. Hundredfold blessing. Hallelujah. No, 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 no. Hundredfold blessing on you. Can't go back. Won't go back. Something unbroken to heaven. Something unbroken to heaven. Something unbroken to heaven. 2024 gonna be special for you this year. Something unbroken to heaven. And I know you already discern it. I know you already see it. It's happening now, and it's going to increase. It's going to amplify. Hallelujah. We're getting some things right in the house of God. Listen, listen, take your time. We're about to release in a second, but come on, let me, let me give God some glory. I see the Sorrells giving, and Robert Rice giving, and Jasmine giving, and JJ giving. Hundredfold blessing on you, young man. Corey Carpenter giving. Vanessa Williams giving. Weaver giving. Loretta Cotton giving. Ranisha Charles giving. I see you, Shalanda. Nicholas, James Warren, Victoria C. Hallelujah, I see you, big sister. Tara Tebow, Matthew Jackson. Hallelujah, Patrice, they giving. Tebow. Kiana Davis, they giving, y'all. They giving, they giving. Come on. Hallelujah, God giving. Edward Fontenet giving. Hallelujah. Naomi giving. Hallelujah. Kenneth giving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Gerard Skinner. Christine Harrington. Linda Chesterfield. Hallelujah. I see y'all. Waylon Briscoe. Hallelujah. Rodney Paul. Hey, God, they giving, they giving, they giving, they giving. I see Javon Duyon giving. Hallelujah. People that's not even here. Hallelujah. But they here in their heart. They saying, I'm down with the vision. They giving. Aisha Calloway, Elena Alexander, they giving, they giving, they giving, they giving. Kimberly Durrell, they giving, hallelujah. Shanice Arsenal, they giving. Barbara Glover, they giving, hallelujah. With love, bakery, they giving. Business is giving, business is giving. Chantel D. Hayden Scott, they giving, they giving, they giving. They giving. And all of these, and all of these, and all of these, and all of these. Helena Smith, uh, uh, Charlena Watson, Effie Peterson, they giving. Timorous Pete, they giving. They giving, God. They giving. They giving. Stretch forth your hands. We're going to pray a blessing on these offerings. They still giving. They still giving. This Lakeisha, they giving. They giving. They giving. Most high, we see you. We see your plan. We see your priesthood. We know that you are the king of righteousness, the king of peace. We doing what Abraham did. We pray you accept it just like Melchizedek accepted it. And we pray all those who've given in these baskets, the boxes, online, as they give in faith to the priesthood of Melchizedek, let the blessing of Abraham that Melchizedek prayed our forefather fall upon us, God. Blessed be this children of Abraham children of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And we pray a hundredfold blessing on you, your children, your children's children, to a thousand generations. We pray your houses be blessed, your cars be blessed, your clothes be blessed. We pray your businesses be blessed. We pray your job be blessed. 
We pray for raises, bonuses, promotions this week. We pray for unexpected income this week. We pray for checks in the mail this week. We pray for automatic, hallelujah, not debits, hallelujah, but automatic additions to your accounts, deposits in your accounts. We pray for high yields. We pray for residual returns. We pray for money to come quickly to you that God would prosper you. That whatsoever you touch, you think on, you see, you pray about, be blessed according to the blessings of Abraham. And in the mighty name of Yahshua, Jesus, under the order of Melchizedek, we pray and we bless you now. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May Yahweh cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he bless you with shalom. Peace in your body, peace in your mind, peace in your finances. Ushers, y'all can come, y'all can come, even while I pray. Ushers, don't worry about it, y'all can come. May he bless you, may he bless you with shalom. And may your children's children rejoice in what you've done today. Let's not ever go back to the way it used to be. In Jesus' mighty, wonderful, glorious name we pray that the church say amen, amen, amen. Love y'all. Be blessed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Be blessed. Love y'all. And we say I won't Thank go you. back. Thank you. Thank you. Go back to Love you too. Love you too. Before.